0: Yeah, so the market, there are thankfully quantitative variables that you can look at in the market in terms of just looking, you know, the big variables you would look at would be things like population growth, job growth, what is the averaging uh, in those areas. And a lot of this data is like publicly available data like on city data and, and other websites that, uh, that we
1: reference. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Today our guest is Sam Giordano from PassiveAdvantage.com. Sam is a passive syndication investor and a doctor who had a journey as a passive investor. He had to learn all these things, how to evaluate deals, how to find deals, and he created a tool, his LP Deal Analyzer tool available at PassiveAdvantage.com because he had so many folks, his colleagues in the in the hospital and others, asking him how he evaluates deals, how he finds sponsors, what he does. So he he and his partner created this tool and made it available for you. It can help you evaluate deals, and we get into uh, what it does and what it offers and all those great things. We also talk about what Sam looks for in a deal and investment opportunity. Say so that three categories of things that he looks for when evaluating an opportunity. And then we drill down on each one of those. So you're going to learn that as well. So many great things in this interview. If you're a passive syndication investor, or you want to become a passive syndication investor, these are all important pieces of knowledge to learn. And also, hey, maybe you uh, go check out the LP deal analyzer tool available at PassiveAdvantage.com. If you're an Apple podcast user and you haven't done so yet, Please take a moment, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much because that helps other people learn about the show. That helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That helps me feel good. That gives me a little warm and fuzzy feeling in my tummy because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. No matter what podcast app you use, if you haven't done so yet, look us up, hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode straight to your mobile device every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. That's when we're here. I'm your host, Taylor Lowe. I'm a real estate investor. I'm a real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. Sam presents a lot of fantastic information in here about how to locate deals, how to locate syndicators, how to evaluate them. Many uh, things that you might not think about. You might not uh, think about from the outside until you've done it. And Sam's already done it. And he's going to give you uh, some key insights from his experience as a passive syndication investor. A lot of interesting stuff on here. Sam and I were on the line for nearly two and a half hours having an awesome conversation. Don't worry, this conversation isn't quite two and a half hours long for you. You're getting about a half an hour of it. But uh, he has so much knowledge, so much experience, and I think he did a great job of presenting that for us today in this interview. So without any further ado, here we go with Sam. Sam, thank you for joining us today. Taylor, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. It's been great uh, connecting with you again You're, for listeners out there. You are a listener of this show, and we actually uh, met uh, sometime, I think it might have been 2018 now, at least over the phone, talking about uh, syndication investing, and, and time has passed since then. For our listeners who don't know about yourself and what you do, can you tell us about your background, and then we'll dive into what you've created for the passive investors out there?
0: Absolutely. Well, first, I'd like to start off by saying, Taylor, thank you. Over my the pleasure. years, for all the education that you have provided me, I mentioned to you that you're one of the handful, literally on one hand, of podcasts that I listen to and that I subscribe to. So I want to really thank you for that. It's, it's definitely provided me a lot of education and value. So I appreciate that.
1: Well, I appreciate you appreciating that. You're certainly welcome.
0: <laughs> yeah. So my name's Sam Giordano. Uh, I'm a practicing gastroenterologist. I live in uh, New Jersey. And my wife is also a physician. Uh, She's actually a California girl. And somehow I convinced her to (laughs) stay on the East Coast. That's a a fight I kind of fight every single day. But uh, needless to say, she's here uh, for now. Yeah, so basically, I would say that through the course of, of my career, I've kind of invested in the traditional things. The stock market investing, retirement plans, doing all uh, paying off student loans, investing in my children's 529 accounts. And I would say, maybe the first five years of my career, that's sort of what what the extent of my investing experience was. And then back in 2017, when the Tax Cuts and Job Acts uh, was enacted as a resident of New Jersey, when we lost the ability to deduct our state and local income taxes, it kind of was a rude awakening from a, from a tax liability standpoint. And I'm like, holy cow, I'm like, I love my job. I'm a W-2 employee. I'm not really looking to change job or employment situations, but I, I, I kind of need to maybe look into ways that I can diversify my income a little bit. And so that's sort of when I started looking into real estate and, and, uh, and kind of talking with friends and, and colleagues that have also done that to see what sort of things they've done in, in similar
1: situations. Interesting. So uh, I'm interested that you brought up the state and local tax deduction uh, elimination. I had expected that maybe that would cause more uproar than it ultimately did. But it's interesting that that did impact you and you chose to make a change as a a result of that.
0: Yeah. And it, it basically sort of was the impetus to kind of looking into ways that that are out there that that are that offer us the opportunity to kind of you know, have income that maybe doesn't necessarily count as taxable income. And real estate kept coming up in the different friends that I spoke to. And at first, I actually started looking into turnkey investments and actually looking into active investing in real estate in, in, in New Jersey. And I pretty quickly realized that there wasn't a lot of opportunity um, in state. So then that's when I started dabbling in turnkeys and talking to a few um, colleagues that I that I had also dabbled in that. There was some horror stories in terms of property managers that maybe weren't so um, truthful in different matters. And, and soon I kind of got off of the turnkeys. And that's what brought me into learning about real estate syndications and when I first started learning about real estate syndications, it kind of opened a rabbit hole to where I was like, wow, this, this kind of thing exists out there. Why didn't I ever hear about it? Like, and I kind of dove in head first where I was like, you know what, I got to learn more about this. Like, and and since then, it's just been a huge edu- education process in, in learning about uh, real estate syndication investing.
1: So can you tell us about uh, what you kind of started investing in, in the syndication space and things that you did uh, since then, what you look for and how you started to, you know, select and narrow down the sponsors and investments and everything that you uh, invest in?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I'd be happy to. So the way I approached it is that when I first started learning about real estate syndications, you have kind of traditional syndication models where they tend to have a higher minimum investment. And then you have like crowdfunding sites uh, where the minimum is lower, um, but it may be, uh, you know, there may be sponsors that are just getting started or trying to sort of reach out to a bigger audience. And so in the traditional syndication model, since the minimums are so high, you know i took it real seriously to the point where i sort of promised myself that i would give myself a full year before i invested in any syndication even if i felt prepared to do it so i started to absorb as many podcasts including your own as many books i uh, started to become active on real estate forms and bigger pockets and different uh, real and reading different blogs just to try to absorb as much information as i could and and basically over that time, sort of using it as a cheat sheet, I every all the information that I would learn from books, I would make notes and eventually come up with criteria that I wanted to see in different syndications that I would that I was evaluating in order to know whether I wanted to kind of look at it a little further, whether I was going to invest in it in the future. And that allowed me to kind of give me sort of a structure that I'm going to base my evaluation on syndications on. And you know the main things that we look at are it's not sort of a novel thing, but you know basically the sponsor, the market, and the deal, and in that order. Um, and the sponsor is no doubt the most important part of it. So it's really a key to sort of establish a relationship with a sponsor, even if even in certain offerings, if it's not required, I think it's extremely important. And then you then can evaluate the market and evaluate the deal. And so during that first year, I came up with. You know a number of different criteria that allowed me to figure out what I wanted in a syndication and then and then the sheet is like a living sheet where it changes over time, it changes with economic conditions, it changes with my experience and in, in different
1: syndications. When you think about building a relationship with a sponsor, you know, even if you don't have to for the particular deal and how it's structured, um, what do you think about, um, in that, in that relationship? I mean, you're not you know going out on dates and stuff, but what do you, uh, want to learn from them? What do you want to get out of them? And are you in any way thinking about the impression that you want to make upon them? I mean, it's who's, who's selling who, what here, you know, how does sure. that all work for you?
0: The interesting thing about this, Taylor, is when I came up with the criteria, the hardest part is the sponsor is the most difficult criteria to objectify, but it's the most important. And I would say the biggest thing is doing just what, what we're doing right now, talking to the person, getting a feel for who they are, getting a feel to how they respond to your questions, giving an idea as to when they talk about their business, what do they highlight? what are they, What's the first thing they want to talk about with you? Is it, is it about you know, what makes them different? Is it, is it about selling you something? And you kind of get a feel for people. And it's really, there's no easy way to say how to do that, just other than just kind of talking to people and, and taking the time to do that. Because your intuition is often one of the most accurate things that you have to evaluate relationships with people. And sometimes you'll get off the phone and you'll be like, I never want to invest in that guy. (laughs) Or sometimes you're like, I'm going to write the check tomorrow. And this guy seems like a great guy. And so, but it's, it's just, it's just a matter of getting the feel. And then, you know, you want to ask some of the things that you can objectify. How's the track record been? How many full cycle deals do you have? When did you, uh, start the, uh, you know, when did you start your syndication or how long have you been involved in syndication, specifically syndications? Like some people say they've been involved in real estate for 10 years, but they may have been like a real estate agent for seven of those 10. And then it's not quite just involved in the syndication in your team. Is there multiple members? Is there a succession plan? So there are certain criteria that you can objectify. But in, the, in that first conversation, in that, in those conversations, I try not to get too technical because some of those questions I can just a- ask over email, but I really just try to get to know them. And I think that feel you get from the sponsor is probably the most important thing.
1: Mm, okay. Okay. Is there any, is there like a red flag that comes to mind where that, you know, you get off the phone and maybe it's a gut feeling that you say, I'm not interested in that person. But if you're on the call and there's something that they say, an answer to a question or anything that comes to mind where you're like, immediately, you're out.
0: Yeah, so I, I, you're right. The gut feel part of it is is the most important. I think there's, you know, like, say somebody is a new sponsor, or they're brand new, and there are, there are some new sponsors that are really, really very good and, and do things the right way. And those kind of things, it wouldn't necessarily be a red flag, but it would just be something that I would take a mental calculation as to, do I want to take that risk with this sponsor? Even though I know he hasn't been through a lot of full cycle deals, maybe there's somebody on the team that has a lot more experience. am I Am I confident enough in this person? And does he seem like he really knows what he's doing that I'm willing to take that risk? So I think the experience factor is one thing that can be it's not so much a red flag but can be something that gives me pause but it's not to the point where I would say I'm never going to invest with that guy but but you're right there's there's certain gut feelings that you get after the conversation that there are times I I I you know I've talked to a lot of sponsors over the years and there are times where I get off the phone and I'm like I really don't think I ever want to invest with that guy it's hard to quantify that feeling, and it's just a matter of. And there, there's times that feeling may be wrong. Maybe they're 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 a great sponsor, and it's just sort of the way they come across. But you have to kind of trust your gut, and and I'm willing to kind of take that risk. There's enough good sponsors out there that I'm willing to take that risk, where I have to kind of be faithful in that. Otherwise, if you invest with someone like that and it doesn't go the way you want, and you say, "Man, I should have trusted my gut."
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So. We have now the sponsor. Now, I want to make sure we cover uh, the market and the deal, some aspects that you look for. I want to make sure we leave plenty of time to discuss you know, the tool because this led to, this isn't just for the listeners out there, this isn't just about things that you look for. You saw an opportunity. You had a lot of folks ask you questions about investing in these types of deals. So you created a really awesome uh, tool for folks out there that we're obviously gonna get to, but I first wanna touch on market and deal, things that you think about. Sure.
0: Yeah, so the market, there are thankfully quantitative variables that you can look at in the market in terms of just looking, You know, the big variables you would look at would be things like population growth, job growth, what is the averaging uh, in those areas. And a lot of this data is like publicly available data, like on city data, and and other websites that uh, that we reference, so it's not like a lot of this stuff is hard to find. I mean, you can go with the suite of things like that. CoStar and stuff offers that's extremely expensive to get some of this market data, but so I would say population growth, job growth. You know, whether or not there's a net migration to that area, like a, a lot of people are moving to that sort of south uh southern sunbelt area and the and the main markets are in like you know phoenix the texas markets the atlanta markets the florida markets and there's other opportunities in other areas the midwest in uh, in boise or in idaho where but you want to kind of look where people are moving where there may be some favorable tax situations in those areas where there's some space to be had I tend to look for nowadays in the sort of not in the metro sort of city areas more inside in, in the suburbs to where you know there maybe there is a little more space it's not so congested. I think eventually the city the population of the city will come back, but I think right now over the next couple of years I think it's still still something that I'm not currently looking to invest in. So these criteria change it's kind of kind of goes where the economics are, but but those are some of the variables that we look at when we're evaluating a market and you know what the average income is compared to what the rent, the average rent is for, at, for that area and, and, and for that particular property. Um, those are some of the variables that I would look at in the market,
1: I would say. Great. So I'm glad you mentioned one in particular, I think that it doesn't come up in that list often enough and in my opinion is the actual tax situation. In the state, folks just just understand what you're getting into before you do it. It's, I'm not saying what you should do one way or the other, but know what you're stepping into before you before you do it. You don't want to make that mistake.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there's certain states. One of the things I didn't mention, like certain states that are more landlord friendly. You know, right now with eviction moratoriums and things like that, without getting political, like you have to look at it from a landlord standpoint. Like where is going to be the opportunity or the risk if you're going to be investing in in certain states. So so that has to be one of the criteria to look at. And one of the criteria I do look at is, is this a landlord-friendly state? And So you have to kind of keep up on, on those different, as things change in those arenas, uh, which states offer more landlord-friendly environment uh, that may be uh, a better opportunity to enact the business business plan of the of the investment you're making.
1: So when it comes to, you go from the market now to the deal. When it comes to the deal, are you just looking at, they're projecting this, cash on cash return and this IRR. So that fits my goals. Or are you going deeper than that and looking at the business plan? And if so, what do you look at?
0: Yeah. So it's interesting Taylor. like, when I first started looking at real estate syndications, I thought the deal was the most important part. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, what's this return? What's the, is there a preferred return? And it's not, it's not as if it's not significant. There are important things and things you do want to look at in the deal But I think it's definitely less important than it is in some of the other variables. But it is one of the more quantitative areas to look at. So, you know, there are some people that want a preferred return to where the limited partner gets a certain amount before the general partner does. There are some people that look at particular split structures. Do they want structures where there's one split or is there a a ladder of splits or a waterfall ladder per se? When they look at the limited partner structure, do they want a a limited partnership that they're investing in to have two different classes, like a class A that maybe has a set higher return, but they don't participate in the upside where the class B uh, then participates in the upside, but maybe has a little bit less of a return. So some of the basic return metrics you can look at are with that. Now, stuff we look at are what's the expense ratios of the property, what's the rent growth of the property, What is the going in cap rate versus the exit cap rate of the property? We partition out the IRR. So we look for deals in which the the cash flow from the deal is greater than 25%, whereas as opposed to the sale or refinance in terms of the projections of the performance of the deal. So we try to get a little deeper than just the basic return metrics, although we are definitely looking at that. There are some other things that are i would say are more important in terms of looking at the deal itself and just the return metrics
1: so uh, i want to make sure what are those some other things unless we uh, already covered it
0: yeah so i would say like i said the like a break-even occupancy you want to look okay. at that's good um the uh you know what's the current vacancy rate of the property like you know not nuts uh, in this market I'm not nuts about seeing a property that has a pretty low current vacancy rate even if the upside is there I'm really not looking and you have to kind of assess what your risk profile is and what you're comfortable with with that the biggest thing in terms of the deal is looking at the debt structure because I think the one of the areas that uh, syndicators can get themselves into trouble is if the debt structure doesn't match the business plan and how how risky it is in this current market. Because if interest rates go up, then that's really where you're going to see debt structures kind of hit the fan a little bit. So a lot of people are using bridge debt now. And I think if it matches the business plan, there are ways that it makes sense. But then I want to be sure that if there's a variable rate or there's a there's a model where they can set caps on rates. Um, is there a fixed structure that follows the bridge debt or is it just bridge debt and then they're, they're looking to enact the plan? But what happens if you have to hold a little longer than you thought you did? Or what happens if interest rates go up? So you want to see some sensitivity analysis in those situations to make sure that they're not spreading themselves too, too thin, in particular in regards to the debt
1: structures. It's great that you brought that up because that debt is really one of the biggest single costs that uh, an average syndication is really going to experience. And it, I think there, are, I agree that there are a lot of folks, I think with your, with your broader point, there are a lot of folks that are not matching their debt to whatever their business plan is, or they're just going for maybe the cheapest thing right up front, but it might not really be the best, um, best option, most conservative maybe option for their business plan in the future.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I agree with that a hundred percent. And um yeah, so the the interesting thing is, is that, you know, being a physician at a large hospital, I have a lot of people that approach me talking about real estate syndications, asking me who I would invest in, what do I look for in a syndication? And this then, and, and we had discussed this a little bit, but right now, from the perspective of a physician getting uh, through this time of covid Physician burnout is a huge thing, and and although I discussed this, I've been you know investing in syndications now. This will be four years, although I've discussed it with people in the past. The conversations I'm having nowadays with physicians, in particular, and other high income professionals, just because there's there's such a physician burnout sort of uh preponderance in this time of COVID, a lot of them want to sort of diversify their income in ways outside of their day job outside of medicine so that down the road if they wanted to kind of cut down to four days a week or cut down to three days a week what's ways that we can do it because if you invest the traditional retirement way where you're you know maxing out your retirement accounts and investing in taxable brokerages account you know, people look to try to get like a 25 times multiple of their income, which equates to maybe a 4% withdrawal rate or a 33% or 33 times their income for a 3% withdrawal rate, depending on how conservative you are. So to do that, you may have to save uh, for like 20 years before you're able to kind of cut down. Whereas investing in syndications, um, because of the way, at least currently that the return, return models are, you can kind of truncate that from 20 years to maybe 7, eight, nine, 10 years, depending on how much you're willing to invest annually. So I try to point people in the direction of syndications, at least to learn about it, to see if you wanted to use that in a way to kind of truncate that whole process of financial
1: independence or financial freedom. Absolutely. And through that process with folks asking you about it, you, you've decided to create PassiveAdvantage.com and your uh, your, your uh, say, software, if you will, to help other folks kind of learn uh, the underwriting or, or deal evaluation strategies uh, that you use, sponsor evaluation strategies that you use. Can you tell us about that and and what folks can get out of it if they use it and how it all works and you know walk us through it? Sure. No, absolutely. I'd be happy to. Thank you. The um so yeah, so the the tool we use
0: is called the LP deal, deal analyzer and the interesting part is when I was first learning about real estate syndications, I kind of came up with my own excel sheet looking in with some of the variables that we're discussing. There's, you know, a lot of other stuff there, but some of the variables we discussed, I would, I would, as I would learn different things about syndications and what I would look for and what are the parameters, I kind of made my own sheet that I use personally in when investing in syndications. And then the more people I talk to, they're like, you know what, can I have a copy of the sheet? Can I use the sheet? And, you know, I was like... I know I made it for me, but I'm not a, as I, I feel bad giving it to someone else that it's not completely refined to the point where I want it to be, so that I can share it with someone and be confident enough that some of the variables in there are what I think is legitimate and and what people should be looking at. And then over time, as more and more people ask me about it, I'm like, you know what? There's nothing out there that is specifically geared towards limited partner investors that allows them to kind of semi-objectively look at deals and, and kind of come up with criteria where it shows you the risk points of the deal. So the LP deal analyzer that we created allows you to go through an investment summary and quickly sort of put in the parameters in the investment summary in the tool. And it it changes colors or color code changes based on what that criteria is, either red, yellow or green for that particular deal. So if something is is red, then that may be something that you want to then ask the sponsor about in follow up. Or if something, uh, you know, if there's multiple things red, then you may just decide, you know, what? I'm not sure if I want to invest in this deal. But it's really to point out the risk points. It's not there to tell somebody you should invest in this deal or you shouldn't invest in this deal. Um, now there's a couple other components of it that are exactly what I was looking for as a limited partner. Um, that I couldn't find out there as well, such as the the deal tracker. Whereas you know I've I've been on eleven investments now in syndications, and sometimes it's hard to keep track of those deals. So we one of the components of the tool is that we have a deal tracker that allows you to track your investments in terms of the projected returns and what they actually were. That I also think is a useful tool.
1: That is important. That that is a piece of feedback that I get from a lot of passive investors. Is it's hard to really track down the the individual cash flow distributions and what the payment is to see if you really met that IRR or cash on cash return or whatever, um, whatever you might need. Who would you say, in your opinion, who do you think? Uh, the the is the right fit for this kind of tool, or, or if what should folks kind of be looking for if they're looking for something? How do they know, you know, if that if this is the right direction they should go? Sure.
0: So I think there's there the the cool thing about the tool is that there's two clear value points. One is in that for people who don't really know what they're looking for in a syndication, the main thing about the tool is it functions as a source of education, and that in that you look through the different criteria and you kind of get an idea about what you should be looking for what are some of the big points you should at least be looking for now your criteria may not match the criteria we have in in our deal analyzer but at least you know that maybe this rent growth is important or maybe the exit cap rate is important so i think the biggest thing that we want to get through is is that it's a source of education so that really can benefit the beginning real estate syndication investor or or someone that's more experienced in that, you know, they, they get an idea of what other people look for. Maybe there's a criteria that they didn't think about per se. And then for someone who's more experienced, it allows you to kind of refine exactly, you know, what you're looking at and and and, and whether or not a deal fits into those criteria when looking at it in total. So you're looking at all the variables, not just one variable in a silo. Um, so I think. There's a role for it in both the in the person who's just starting out, in particular from an education standpoint, it's kind of like what you don't know, what you don't know. So this is there to try to illuminate that. And also someone who's further along in the process that just maybe to try to edify some of the points and maybe bring to light some of the ones that they may have not thought about.
1: Nice. If folks want to uh, find it, they want to track it down, if they want to get a copy or what do you recommend like the next step is? that folks should take to uh you know get in touch and, and get a copy
0: yeah so they can go to uh, www.passiveadvantage.com and there i also have a, a free ebook that goes over what to uh look for from a perspective of a limited partner vetting a real estate syndication deal and it goes into more detail in some of the parameters that we talked about and after they familiarize themselves with it and read the ebook, if they feel like the tool is a fit for them or they may they may benefit from, then you can certainly uh, have access to the tool through the website. And there we also have video tutorials so you can kind of see it in action to see if it's something that may fit or that may be useful for you.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's great you're putting that out there and again, highlighting risk points. I like that you are highlighting risk points and not saying not telling somebody whether a particular deal is a yes no because you how how are you possibly going to know that or code that into any anything exactly you don't know what their goals are anyway so highlighting at risk points is really i think uh really the right thing to to look for and to try to do
0: i'm with you 100% taylor and that's really what the what the goal is here and that we i see a number of uh, friends and colleagues that are sometimes investing in some of these deals. And then they come to me after the fact and they tell me, you know what, this deal didn't perform and and this and that. And, and they just kind of didn't even look through any of the investment summary. They just kind of gave the syndicator their money. And there may come a point if you really are confident and you've had five deals with the syndicator, you know them personally, they're, they're, you appreciate what they do, where you just you're okay doing that. But early on, you kind of want to, at least even just for your own knowledge and education, you kind of want to have an idea of how to look at these deals, even if eventually you're not going to use all those criteria. I think it's beneficial to anybody when they're looking through an investment summary. Awesome. I
1: love it. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. slash ground floor or click the link in the show notes. Back to the show. All right, Sam, you know this. You've listened to the show. I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Uh, of course. I, I'm ready as I will be. All right, great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education?
0: So I this is this is not an education cop out, but it's a semi cop out <laughs> in that I would have to say it would be in my spouse and in my faith. And I think for me, you know, there's times in my I'm kind of a go getter that I continue to kind of tackle the next thing. and, And I have an entrepreneurial spirit. And sometimes I need things in my life that ground me that serve as a compass to kind of when I'm a little too high to kind of bring me back and when I'm a little too low to kind of bring me up. And without that, there's times that we all can veer off a little bit. So I would say, my uh, my wife and my faith is what does that for me, and having my wife somehow say yes to me when I asked her to marry me <laughs> was one of the best things that. That's the best investment I can make.
1: Nice, I, I got engaged over the summer, uh, somewhat recently, and uh, I'm I'm amazed she said yes to my to, yes to me as well, and I, I hope to feel about the same as you know, same as you do uh, a few years down the road. Certainly appreciate that, and I hope you do too. Absolutely, congratulations. By the way, thank you so much. Well, we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made?
0: Yeah. So I was thinking about this one, Taylor, because I I listened, like I said, I listened to your podcast and I'm like, uh, you know, I, thankfully none of my investments have gone that bad in the real estate syndications. But what I would say is the worst investment was not taking action sooner and and not so much in that first year because i think there's a role of education but i knew about real estate syndications probably dating back to like 2014 but i didn't really make that commitment on the education until 2017-18 so um i think i i wish i would have kind of taken action a little bit sooner took the opportunity to learn learn about it familiarize myself with it because Now that I have the investments under my belt, I'm like, what was I, what was I thinking before? And, and, um, so I think that would be probably the worst investment is not taking the steps sooner. And that's, that's really what we want to try to do with some of these tools is that that some people never overcome that initial stage of fear and they never do, they never take action, but I'm a, I'm a big proponent of that. I think education is sort of the kryptonite of fear. And if you can if you can educate yourself, get more familiar, then that allows you to take action. And hopefully, we can be you know a part of that.
1: Well, yeah, I, I like that you also made the comment that that year of learning is an important part of it. You're not saying get started, take action, and move on willy nilly. You would still, as I understand it, have that year in there of teaching yourself because that was the right amount of time for you not ready fire aim type of thing exactly yeah i wish i I just would have put that year
0: instead of being in 2017 maybe being in like 2013 but yeah you you do want to take time and and educate yourself and hopefully some like i said this this type of tool wasn't out there for me so i kind of had to formulate it myself and go through the whole process. So hopefully something like this allows you to truncate that year a little bit, but it still does require education. I mean, ultimately, this is your money. You're the best, you're the biggest steward of your own money. So you really have to take it seriously and educate yourself and not jump in without knowing what you're getting into. Absolutely.
1: Well, as you know, my favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing?
0: So it goes along the same theme that we've been discussing in these other two questions is to don't underestimate the value of education. And and as I said, I think it's extremely important. Like people look at education as just trying to learn about something. But the reality is, is that like I said before, I think it allows you to take action. If you if you take the time to educate yourself, if you're someone who doesn't educate yourself, then you may find yourself on the sidelines, reading all the books you can, listening to all the podcasts, and never actually investing in anything. And you know, there's somebody who once told me a um, plan without action is just a dream. And so you have to kind of you have to take that action and put things into put things
1: into motion, and uh, and then good things will happen. Absolutely. I love that. Well, Sam, thank you for joining us today. And and thank you for putting such an awesome uh, piece of technology, if you will, out there in the universe, helping folks uh, get invested, get really learn more about investing in syndications in a, in a nuts and bolts sense and see some of the risks in these deals they're pursuing. And we have a free ebook that uh, folks can go check out as well. And it's been great connecting. We've been on the line for almost two hours now, which is uh, which is fantastic. It's been great having a conversation. If folks want to uh, reach out, get in touch one more time. Where can they get the tool or a copy of the ebook or, or, you know, anything else?
0: Yeah. So you can go to www.passiveadvantage.com and there, there you can download the ebook. If you want to reach out to me personally, you can reach me at Sam at I've been happy to help any way I can. I was, uh, in your shoes for beginning investors, not so long ago. And I, I kind of wish that I had someone like me to reach out to, uh, for these kind of things. So I'm happy to help and give back in any way I can.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us today to everybody out there. Thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. five stars. If you don't mind, I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple podcast ecosystem and their algorithm and all of that. I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. If you haven't done so yet, don't forget to subscribe to the show. We'll catch you here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Appreciate you tuning in. We'll talk to you on the next one. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Take care.